Last week, we spoke about a very new topic in the Kashrus world. This week, we'll rewind a little bit, go to what's actually a very old fight in the Kashrus world, a very old discussion in the Kashrus world, and that is what is necessary in order to give a hashkacha on tuna. What do you have to do to make sure that the tuna is kosher? The fish in your can is kosher. Just to go back a little background, practically how they do this, they go out on boats, I think mostly in the Pacific. They, the fishermen go out on boats, they put down nets, they catch a lot of fish. They're, they're obviously, these, fish are, these boats are sent out specifically to catch tuna. Obviously, if you put down a net in the middle of the ocean, you're not going to only catch what you want. You're going to get other things in there also. They're going to places where there are large schools of tuna, but they're going to catch other things in there also. Or the fishermen are only paid for the tuna they bring back. As they bring back other fish. They're not paid for those fish. Um, there's, there's a somewhat limited storage capacity on these boats. Therefore, they first of all, when they get their catch of tuna, they try sorting out anything which is obviously not tuna to them because they're not going to get paid for that. They come back to shore eventually. Um, before they give it to the company, again, they have to go through it again and make sure that there's nothing else in there because there's anything else in there, the company's not paying them for that. The company, after they receive it, go through it again to make sure the only thing they're getting in this batch is tuna. All they want is tuna. Um, and the question that comes out is, can we believe these non-Jews to tell us that the fish are having a tuna? We know the only fish that are kosher, fish that have fins and scales. We don't know what they caught on there. Likely they caught other things in there that are not kosher. They sure caught other fish, and likely some of those fish are not kosher. What is necessary for us to believe that this thing that they're serving us that ends up in the can on your table is actually a tuna. The question obviously is a huge ramification for the cautious agencies. Do they have to stick someone there at the plant to make sure that the fish are tuna? Or can they just believe that what the company says, as I said, the fishermen say that we only served you tuna? It's come as a big, big machlekes in the cautious agencies, what to do practically. The source of this whole discussion is the mission of Avedazara. The mission of Avedazara says that if a non-Jew gives you a piece of fish that's cut up, you just have the flesh of the fish cut up, you no longer have the skin on there, and you can no longer have any sort of um, form of the fish, you're not allowed to eat that fish. Why not? I don't, how do I know it's a kosher fish? Even if he tells me it's a kosher fish, I can't believe him. He's a non-Jew. A non-Jew is not believed to tell me it's a, it's a kosher fish. Therefore, unless you see the fins and scales, and the Gemara actually extends this and says, even if you don't have the fins and scales, but you see the head of the fish, you can see the spine of the fish, and it's identifiable to you as a kosher species, the Gemara says that. That's enough. But when you get it completely chopped up, without anything on it, um, any form of it in, the, in your can, you have no clue what it is. Mission said that if you get a piece of fish chopped up, you don't can't see identify the fish at all. There's no fin scales, there's no no form of the fish. Mar said if the mission said if it comes from a nanju, you're not allowed to eat that fish. Now halacha is brought down in Shulchanach, like the Mishnah that such fish you're not allowed to consume. Based on this Mishnah, um, there are many places came. The Rav Moshe Feinstein, Rav Henkin, he said was one of the great places who lived in America about 50 about 50 years ago. Um, the Ravad Yosef and so many, many great places have said that the only way a kosher's agency can say that tuna is kosher is if they have someone at the plant looking at each fish as it comes in, making sure that it has fins and scales on it. If you don't have someone there, so we have no basis to otherwise know the fish coming in is kosher. On a practical level, the Starkeg follows that opinion, as do most kosher's agencies in the world. For sure, any, I think, any, anytime you get a, um, a can of fish that's coming from one of the called the Heimischer Company, then the Jewish-owned companies, or any of the Chesir Shechshem on it, or the Starke, or most of the Israeli, I think almost all those Israeli Chesirim, maybe all of them, that means that they put a guy at the plant watching each fish to make sure, a Jew at the plant making sure it's fins and scales. 
The OU had a different approach. The OU does not send the guys out to the plants. There's no one standing there making sure each fish that comes in is kosher. The question is, why? how are they allowed to do that? What's the basis? We just said there's a mission that says if you get fish that is cut up, you're not allowed to get fish that are, cut, that are cut up. You're not allowed to eat it. You don't know it's a kosher fish. And just because the non-Jew told you he's selling you tuna, the mission says you're not allowed to believe him. So what's the basis that the OU goes and they and they give a cert, they certify um, many you know all this all this fish without having a mashkiach at the plant? So instead, Rav Meisher and Rav Hinkin were very stringent about this matter. There were two other places in America who were lenient. Brian Cutler is reported to have said that you're allowed to eat such tuna, as as was Rav Salvechik. Rav Cutler, to the best of my knowledge, was no one who goes and explains exactly where he was coming from. Um, Rav Salvechik, many of his talmidim. Um, explain what the basis for it is. Primarily, we'll base ourselves today off of Rafael Shafter, one of his primary Talmudim, as we said last week, he's one of the places for the OU. And based on this sack, what he explains that the OU allows the um, allows the fish without a mashkiach there checking that the fish is actually kosher, which seems at first glance to be in contradiction to the mission we learned that you're not allowed to eat chopped up fish that a non Jew gives you. There's a concept called Uman Leimara Nafshe. A professional is not going to ruin his reputation. You have a professional Nanju, he's a, he's a Nanju, but he has a professional he has a particular area of expertise. We assume that when he tells you or he does something in the area of expertise, we assume he's being accurate. Why? He doesn't want to ruin his reputation. Not because he cares about your halacha, because he doesn't want to ruin his reputation. Like two classical examples of this brought down in halacha. One is that there's a product called pomegranate wine, which supposedly has some, it says, has some healing properties to it. And if it's the pomegranates assume you're not anywhere near HSO, you're not concerned they came from HSO, have no real, there's no real cautious concerns if it's pure pomegranate wine. The problem is, maybe, maybe the doctor, the pharmacist, whoever's giving you this wine, diluted the wine, diluted the pomegranate wine with regular grape wine. We know regular grape wine is a very cautious sensitive thing. If it comes from an Anjou, it's not going to be kosher automatically. So concerned that maybe there are times where he has an interest in diluting the pomegranate wine with grape wine. The luck is that you're still allowed to buy from a doctor or a pharmacist this pomegranate wine because he does not want to ruin the, the, the healing properties he's giving you. He's giving something which is supposed to be a product that works to heal this particular problem you have. That's going to be fixed by pomegranate wine. If he dilutes it with non-kosher grape wine, it's not going to work. Therefore, you have concept that a professional is not going to ruin his reputation and you're allowed to buy that wine from him on his say-so that it's pomegranate wine. A second case um, discussed, the famous case is that you know, the halacha is if you have a drop of milk falls into your chalant. The halacha is if there's 60 times of the chalant to the milk, it's kosher. You can't always tell if there's 60 times the chalant. Another solution is that if you don't taste the milk in the chalant, the chalant's kosher. But how can you taste the chalant? Because if you do taste the milk, you just ate milk and meat. So the Gemara says the solution, you can give it to a non-Jewish chef to taste. And he'll tell you if there's milk in there. Question is, how do you believe in Anju? So there are many explanations for that. One, the one Taisha says is that we're talking about the Gemara specifically said you give it to a non-Jewish chef. Why? Because he's supposed to be able to discern taste. That is his job. He would not want to ruin his reputation by 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 saying no, I don't taste it, and then you go and you do taste it. He's not going to want to ruin his reputation by 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 not being able to correctly identify whether there is milk in this mixture, and therefore the Gemara, therefore that's the basis that Tais explains why you're allowed to give it to a non-Jewish chef. We have this concept that that a non-Jew who had his reputation to defend in his area of expertise, he is believed. The Rosh Hashanah comes along and he says that's what's going on by this tuna fish. These in these in these canneries, 
they only want tuna. Not only do they only want tuna, they only want the specific um, variety of tuna they're dealing with. Right now they're, they're doing an albacore run, they only want albacore. If they're doing a skipjack run, they only want skipjack. So the different types of tuna require different, um, different levels of cooking, different cooking times, and they don't want the wrong type in, type in there, it's going to come out a bad product. Therefore, they are extremely careful for their own business purposes, their own interests, to make sure that it is only tuna and only the specific variety of tuna they're actually um, advertising on the can. He said, that's the case of Uman Leymar and Nafsha. You have a professional who has his own reputation. We're not believing him because we think that he's going to be, he's going to, he's careful with our halacha to only serve us kosher fish. He's, we see he's careful because he only, for his own business interests, his own personal business reputation, therefore he wants to make sure it's only tuna. Based on that, that's what our first chapter said, you're allowed to come, you're allowed to eat the tuna fish, even though there's no mashkiach, there's no Jew telling us that the fish, the fish was kosher. We know that the company only wants to serve you kosher fish, not because it's kosher, because of their own business interests. So, so it's a good question. So, I, so two things. First of all, it's not clear what level of oversight they actually have in labeling. That's first of all. Um, and second, that the, you know, I was looking around last night to see what they, what they, what they, the FDA, like, you know, they, they try, they go in, they try to make sure it's the right thing, but there's no, you know, remission by the, by the, by the milk. We're talking about you're going to lose your license if you put in horse milk instead of cow milk. That does not seem to be the case um, with the fish. Um, the second of all is that by, by the fish, you're talking about someone who was going and purposely will come, this, this idea that we're going to mention right now, come to come up further and share it also, but by the fish, by the milk, someone was going and I'm purposely serving you the wrong item. You're talking about the Shem tuna, and maybe they didn't properly remove it. That's all, that the government is not going to be as crazy about that. If you, you know, you purposely fraud them out and put the wrong item in there is, is different. And those reasons seems that, that the Ramesha, who, who is the, the basis of the milk, is the one who stringent on fish. Okay, so that's the basis again why the OU is serving these fish. Question is, okay, what happened to the, the Paiskim who are stringent? How come it sounds like a great svar? We have sources in the Gemara for this, for this idea of Uman Leimar and Nafshe. So one one possible solution that he points to by the Paiskim is there's a Naida Yehuda. The Naida Yehuda says that when do we say a Nanju is believed? And that is, we're not gonna claim we're not gonna say a professional is going to go and proactively defraud you by putting some wrong thing in there. He said, you have this pomegranate wine. We're not concerned the guy's going to you know, fraud you and stick in some grape wine in there. Like, why do you have to proactively do it? doesn't mean, it's not a blanket idea that everything he says is accurate in regards to his expertise. He has the area of expertise. That's wonderful. We don't believe him. To actively defraud, defraud you when he's the professional, okay, that far we're, we're, we're saying he's not going to do it. Therefore, we don't have a proof from the pomegranate wine that would come out according to this night of Yehuda, to, to this halacha, because over there, the guy can pour in the wine. That we're not concerned about. Here, he, he doesn't have to do anything. He, he tried to get out the fish and he missed some. Okay, so sorry. He didn't, he wasn't, didn't do anything. He didn't do and proactively put in tray fish in there. He just didn't remove the ones that are existing in there. And therefore, some place can want to point from this maybe who though, we see the pomegranate wine wouldn't at least be a proof to um, our scenario of the tuna fish. Rav Henkin himself does address the concept of um, Umar Nafshe when it comes to the chef tasting it in, um, tasting your chalm that has maybe a drop of milk in there. And he wants to make a difference, not explain why exactly it should be a difference, but he wants to say that when we have something which we start out as kosher, and now we have a question, was there something added in that will believe the non-Jew if he's a professional? To positively identify the thing, establish it, its kosher status to begin with, 
He said that we don't have any source that you can believe a non-Jew. And therefore, he wa- Hankin wants to say, the fact that we see that you can rely on a non-Jew to tell me if there's milk in my chum doesn't tell me he can be the one to positively identify this fish and establish that this fish is kosher to begin with. We have two sources in the in, in the place game why where it's for this idea of Uman Mari Nafshe. Again, there's answers to see why perhaps it would not apply to our case of the tuna fish. Is the um, professor Shafter tried to bring a proof to his idea that we say Uman Mari Nafshe, professional is not going to ruin his reputation by fish itself. The halacha brought down the halacha of fish. If you have Kirve Dagam, which means fish intestines. Kishka, fish kishka. And exactly. <laughs> and um, it's very hard. You don't. You just get the kishka. You don't. You don't know what this is, where it came from, who it is. The halacha is you can only rely. On, an expert can positively identify where different intestines, which and which fish it came from. You have an expert. He can tell you no, that came from a kosher fish. If you have um, a regular layman is not going to be able to tell you where it came from. The Ramah adds on. You not only can you rely on an expert, you can rely on an expert even if he's not Jewish. First great. We have halacha by fish that says you can rely on an expert to tell you what the source of the fish is. He wants to bring it to the proof that, that his idea that you can say uman leimari nafshe applies even to identify the source of fish. However, Hankin points out that, you know, Hankin wrote long before Rav Shachter wrote a shuba, and he said that's not going to be a proof by us. He says, look in the Taz over there, the commentary on the Ramah, and the Taz goes, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? We can't believe in Nanju. Oh, it must be talking about cases where we have other reasons already to believe that this fish is kosher. We have other reasons that these, to believe this um, fish intestines actually came from a kosher fish. Therefore, we'll add on this non-Jew's testimony that's actually his expertise that's coming from a, from a kosher fish to believe him. But you take something which we have no clue what it is. You, have, you open up your can of tuna. It's flesh in there. Looks like it smells like fish. Tastes like fish. What type of fish? I don't know. Does that without any without any other. Um, reasons to believe that it's actually coming from a kosher fish, you would not have a proof, therefore, according to what uh, says, the Taz, as the Taz says, you would not believe a non-Jew without anything else, and therefore, Rafinkin, based on that Taz, said that you would, that you would, um, that we have no proof to our case of the tuna fish, that you would be allowed to believe the non-Jew. It comes out right now that Refreshers have to hold that you're believing the non-Jew. Why? Because he has a professional reputation to defend, and Rafinkin and Rav Moshe and the other Paiskim are saying that, no, we, um, we, we do not believe that, that Jew to either establish originally that it's that it's fish to tell us what he, to tell us that it's fish when he's not when not actually actively defrauding you, and <clears throat> and therefore the the, the Rav and Rav Hankin insisted that the only way you can certify a fish as kosher is by inspecting each fish, and they said that's what most of the casualty agencies in the world, aside from the OU, are doing. You notice most fish, um, most tuna fish are from the OU because they have a much easier way of certifying fish. It's going to be much more expensive and. And, and you have all the manpower going into sending, actually sending down a mashkiach to these plants, which could be anywhere, sounds like Thailand, Turkey, other interesting places, to actually certify them as kosher. Okay. Um, just curious if there's a role for this. There is a lawsuit about Subway, people questioning whether the tuna fish was actually tuna. Um, and there's a lawsuit about whether they ate the molecular analysis of the tuna to try to identify the if you want, if you were to do a chemical an- analysis on that, is Rafinkin actually addresses that? He almost seems to say that would be fine, but he says, but just that's not happening, and no one's doing it, and they're not concerned anyone's doing it. And I, you know, technically, you know, I have, well, spot check them maybe, but you know, but he doesn't. Rafinkin does seem to, you know, he actually mentions that the only way to tell would be through chemical analysis, and he says, but they're not concerned anyone doing that um, in general, and therefore he subway was willing to do it. Um, <laughs> What were they trying to use instead of tuna? Well, they, they argued that it was, uh, uh, that it was not uh, they had additives and substitutes, that it was not true tuna. Yeah. And 
the question I'm just wondering whether scientifically that would be acceptable because it's not observing the. So if if we were to test everything, if we, it seems like we just have to know. We don't have to. There doesn't be a halacha that it seems like there is one. The other sheets of Rambam that you actually have to look at the fish and the, and 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 to mitzvah called to positive, positively identify it. Does not seem we don't we don't rule like that Rambam. The question is what what how do we know it's kosher though? We still have to know it's kosher. The mission is telling us unless you see it, you can't tell it's kosher. But once if you would have another way which would be verifiable, presumably if it's that's the only if you can know for sure it's the chemical analysis that's 100% accurate, then that would very possibly be a good way. There's a secondary issue over here that goes on with the tuna fish, which is if we if we don't we have a problem of bishul akum. We know that anything that's cooked, right, has to be cooked by a Jew. You have food that's cooked by a non-Jew, it's not kosher. Question is that if they steep the way they 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 steam them, so these tuna come into the plants, they steam them right away, and then they have their secondary cooking process later on. But all is going on where in a plant certified by the OU with any not any Jews around. In a plant certified by the Starke, so they have the Jew there checking the fish. So he also turns on the oven, no questions. In the OU plants, there's no Jew around, so the non-Jew is turning on the oven. Non-Jew is essentially cooking your fish. What's the heter? You have a problem of that's being cooked by a non-Jew. How are you allowed to eat such fish? So the OU comes along, they have they, they are various halachas. We put them all together, various leniencies. And Bishalakum, we put them all together, it seems like there is, they want to say there is what to rely on over here. First of all, they first thing they do, they steam these fish. The OU points out that steaming is not a, not 100% clear in the place, given whether that's identical to cooking and have the same problems as cooking. And that's one possible leniency you're ready that they're steaming it, they're not actually cooking it, at least in the first stage of their cooking. And perhaps that would be a reason why they're not required Bishal Yisrael. A second idea to point out there that we know by the concept we know that there's a from Bishra, it's also called Pasisro. You have to have bread cooked baked by a Jew. Pasisro has a leniency that if it's done by a professional, we, so we rely on Paspalter, it's called. You get your, your bread, it's your Arnold's bread from Harris Teeter, right? It was baked by a professional baker. That the, the, and in that case, we're, we're, not, we're not concerned that there is, in that case, we like to eat the bread. The reason for that is the whole basis of the problem of, of, of Pasisro was that you shouldn't, should not lead to intermarriage. That's why we did it. We didn't want you to link intermarriage. We assume something which is being bought on a professional basis does not lead to that social contact. It um, doesn't lead to that closeness that comes about through um, someone giving you a loaf of bread that they break in the house. And therefore, Chazal gave a leniency um, that you're allowed to buy bread from a professional baker. By Bishal Yisrael, we do not find any heter, any leniency, just because it's done by a professional. There's no, het, there's no leniency called someone selling you food professionally, now you're allowed to eat it. However, Moshe Feinstein wants to be machadish. He wants to say that if something's made, not, not just professionally, something's made in a factory setting where you have no possibility of coming in contact with the guy who cooked it. You can have a, a baker who you know very well. You come to the store every day and you talk to him, you smooth with him. Um, there, we, have, we had a leniency. On a chef who you know very well, there's, there's no leniency, for sure. But Moshe wants to say, if I have a factory setting where there's no possibility really of me ever meeting the worker, ever coming to any social contact with the worker who did it, Moshe wants to suggest perhaps there is room for leniency even on Bishal Yisrael. Questionable where exactly Moshe said this. It's controversial to begin with, the idea. It's seemingly, not, we don't have a source for that in Halacha. And it's questionable where Moshe said it. Someone suggests that Moshe said it specifically in a case where the factory is in, very, is in a very distant place, so there's really no concern. And second of all, it's a place that's specifically done with industrial type of equipment that you're never going to find in a house. So therefore, it was never included in this whole gezera of Bishal Yisrael. Some place can use that in conjunction with another leniency 
It's done in a distant place. It's not. It's it's done using factory equipment. We have additional leniencies. Some places will say that you can rely on even if it is cooked by a non-Jew in those, those circumstances. The OU puts this together with the concept of steaming. That steaming is controversial if it's including bishul shell to begin with. And they say so. We don't. We can rely that it does not the tuna fish does not require to be cooked by a Jew. The other cautionary agency is pointed out, which is seems to be the the what. Many places we're going with, um, they they don't have a problem. They have a Jew at the plant. He turns on the oven, and the whole that you get rid of that whole problem. There's one interesting thing that we said the OU is the had to take the lenient position on all these issues. When it comes to tuna fish. Um, you get coming up to Pesach now. They find tuna fish that says OUP on it, which is certified for Pesach to be kosher. Because the students of Pesach, they make sure there's a mashkiach at every plant. Once he's there, they he, supposedly um, these guys check every fish and they turn on the oven and they do everything that would be good, even according to the students' opinions that they usually do not go with. And the other the other cautionary Star K and basically other all the other cautions, most of the other cautionary in the world go with the more students' opinion. You have to have a mashkiach checking it and you have to mashkiach turning on the oven. Yeah, uh,